Hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Chants and Rants with the Plants. We are dad and daughter discussing all things football with myself, Lauren. And me, Graham. It's a bank holiday, the sun's shining, we've had lots of great football on. It's been a nice bank holiday, isn't it? Good for barbecuing. Very good for barbecuing. We've got all that to still come up. Are you going to be energised after in the podcast and then still get out of the barbecue? Definitely. Good news. So this week, lineup for the podcast this week, I'm going to be discussing the return of Ronaldo, as well as put forwarding one of my new chants to you, Dad. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm going to be talking about the transition from Championship to Premier League. Time for the warm-up. So, as I mentioned in the lineup, I'm discussing the return of Ronaldo. How exciting is it that we've got Ronaldo back in the Premier League? Very, very exciting. It is super exciting. It's been 12 years since he's been away. It all happened very, very quickly. There was a lot of chat about him going to Manchester City. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seems, it was announced that he was going to Man United. And do you reckon the Man United fans are just going to be ecstatic? Very excited, I'm sure, yes. Two-year contract he's on and is expected to take a pay cut as well, saying that he's still going to be potentially getting about £400,000 a week. Um, I think the main reason for him leaving is that Juventus are in some major financial trouble. He's 36 years old. I'm just going to put it out there. Do you think he's past his prime? Definitely not. Ooh, okay. So Italy's golden boot winner last season, thanks to 29 goals. So he got that last season. And since 2009, Ronaldo alone has scored 392 goals so since he left Manchester United for Real Madrid and Juventus. Whilst Man United in that period of time have scored 464 league goals, but that's through 19 different forwards. So they've only actually scored 72 more goals as a club whilst Ronaldo has not been there. that correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an amazing stat. just shows how prolific. I mean, he's getting huge numbers of goals every season, really. Just incredible, really. How crazy, though, that both Ronaldo and Messi have moved in the same transfer window. Are we thinking this is all linked to COVID and clubs just not being able to afford them? Uh, I think it's linked to finances, isn't it? It seems to be, and the lack of fans at grounds has certainly hit some of those big teams massively, I imagine. So it's very exciting. I think we've got internationals next week. So it's going to be probably another two more weeks until he's going to be featuring for Manchester United. But obviously there's been a lot of talk about Lukaku going to Chelsea and Chelsea and City, kind of the main names to win the Premier League. Now that Ronaldo is going to be in the Manchester United squad, does that throw the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit? Yeah, I think they've, I mean, they, maybe they've got, they've got Varane as well, a bit of a... Not a great start against Wolves. And then you've got Sancho, who I'm never convinced Sancho is going to be a world beater. Maybe they've got, and then they've got Cavani back. So maybe they've got too many players, I'm not sure. But if, if they can get the right 11 on the pitch every week, they're going to be a formidable team, that's for sure. Yeah, well, as people that love to just watch football itself, it's super exciting to see that Ronaldo's going to be back in the Premier League. So that's part of my warm-up chapter, and they're excited about it. Well, my warm-up is around lenient refereeing, which um, has been yeah. an absolute um, wonderful thing to see. And Ronaldo will get kicked around a bit, I think, because uh, it's you know it's the referees have obviously got this uh, instruction to let more tackles go, and it's gone almost turned full circle from being all a bit soft and anybody going near anybody, it's a free kick to the opposite. Somebody gives a good challenge and the referee waves it on. So, I mean, it's as an ex-tough uh, tackler. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant to see, and I think it's uh, struck the right balance. The number of yellow cards has been reduced massively. Mm-hmm. Yesterday's Chelsea-Liverpool game, there was like, there's only been one card in the previous two games for the two teams put together. So 
I'm not sure what you think, but I think it's brilliant. It is really good. It does, you know, take away the whole people rolling around on the floor and a lot of attention being paid to that because most of the time now the referees are just saying get up and play on. So I personally think it can only be a good thing and especially with the fans back in, naturally having the fans in will make it feel like there's more of an energy to the place and maybe a quicker style of football. So now there's going to be less start and stopping and things like that. I surely think it's only going to be a good thing. I think it's interesting though how it just changed literally overnight when they were instructed to do it. So mm-hmm. obviously they were instructed to be very um, strict and now they've been, you know, that's been lifted. So it's it's just changed overnight literally. So it is all about the officials and when and how they blow the whistle, when and why they blow the whistle. So it's fascinating, actually. Kick off now. So we choose a subject that we kind of want to have a little rant about, really. And my kickoff subject this week is, you kind of touched on, you know, VR and refereeing. And actually... Um, the way that players crowd around the ref, but when it's leading into half time, obviously they all get mad and in their face when it's the incident, but it's when they're going into the tunnel and when they're coming out of the tunnel that I don't understand why they're getting in their face and being quite rude and disrespectful and just obviously annoyed. The main example being the Chelsea players surrounding Anthony Taylor on Saturday when he was heading towards the tunnel and it was after Reese James got his controversial red card. And I just think it's gone. They can't wait. Whatever they say to Anthony Taylor, he's not going to suddenly be like, oh, I'm sorry, like, I'm going to give him a yellow card. Like, they can't do anything. What are the players actually gaining from getting in his face, leading into uh, into halftime and coming out of halftime? I just think it's, it's a waste of time. Like, he's not going to do anything. Well, it's the same. I had the same kickoff rant as really? well. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, players getting in the ref's face. And that's I think funny. It's, I think it's almost the opposite of... Um, you know, that whole, well, maybe letting them be uh, a bit more aggressive on the pitch, but that's um, certainly something they need to stop. And I think Chelsea could have had problems. I mean, Rüdiger got booked. He could have easily got sent off. I think they could have had a couple of other players booked, possibly sent off. And I think the referees just need to start to, a bit like the rugby refs, where they don't take a single bit of um, yeah. back chat. So I don't, know, I don't know why it would be so different. Uh, that football, they let them shout and ball and swear They do in the give face. out yellow cards if they do... Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's very, I mean, it really in the faces and should really, I think it's red card stuff. So I think if they can make such a big difference so quickly with the um, keeping their game flowing, I think they should do something about that. You're right. Maybe I think at half time, when they blow the whistle for half time, they should just say, you can't approach the ref until it's literally the whistle of full time. Because well, there's no point. Well, I think it's all the way through the match though, isn't it? It's not yeah. just after. I think they, it's a habit that seems to be creeping in. Just need to stop it really. Yeah, does that... Is it the point where you should have your captain maybe just be like, it is the captain's job if you've got an issue to go to the ref? Yeah, I imagine so, yeah. So, well, that's interesting. We've both gone for the same kickoff. Well, half time, this is the point in the podcast where we look at the teams that had the best half time turnover. So it might have been that they were losing at half time or drawing at half time and then had a really good 45 minutes second half performance. Who have you highlighted this week for your half time turnover? Well, I've gone right down into League Two and gone to Gander Green Lane, where the first match uh, for Sutton United ever in, uh, the, in the league. Obviously, it was delayed a bit because of the plastic pitch, so um, went yep. from plastic pitch to full turf, so they've uh, missed a couple of matches there, but now it's uh, first game there yesterday, Gander Green Lane, nil-nil at half-time, 3,200-plus fans there, just short of 500 from Oldham, which is pretty good. Quite an exciting, quite an interesting match, 27 uh, shots, six on target, 11 corners, nil-nil at half-time. 
Sutton opened the score in the 62nd minute, Adji Boye. But Oldham came back. Oldham had lost every match up to that point. But uh, Pirajani, Oldham captain, got one in the 88th minute, making it 1-1. And then the half-time team talk came good uh, with a winner from Junior Luamba in the 96th minute. Shame for Sutton, first match back in the or first match ever in the league at Gander mm. Green Lane, and the uh, lost in stoppage time two one. Yeah, that was my uh, half time turnaround. I'm going to be talking about Sutton United a little bit later, but my half time turnaround comes from the Premier League, where it's West Ham versus Crystal Palace, and going into half time, it was one nil to West Ham after a four nils thirty ninth minute goal. You know, at the London Stadium, just over fifty nine thousand fans. West Ham have obviously won their last two matches. So a lot of people probably would have thought, oh, they're going to run away now with the second half. But Palace have managed to show some great team spirit. They came back after being two times down in the match. So they're from losing positions twice to make it full time 2-2 thanks to a brace from Conor Gallagher. Some really clinical finishing, actually. So whatever Vieira said at halftime, it must have worked because they seem to be putting on a much better second half performance and definitely giving the Palace fans something to cheer about. So that's definitely my halftime turnover this week. Crystal Palace. Second half. What are you going to be chatting about in the second half? It could be something positive if you want. Are you feeling positive? Oh, definitely, yeah. I think it's what I mentioned in the uh, lineup, which is the transition of players from uh, Championship to Premier League. And I think there's some good examples this season. There's been a reluctance, really, uh, potentially to give strikers the chance to move forward from Championship to to Premier League. But certainly uh, the two, two of the best strikers last season, Ivan Tony. Uh, and Adam Armstrong, who between them got 60-odd goals in the championship last year. Uh, both got goals already, both look settled, both look to be um, enjoying it. Armstrong looks very sharp, Tony scored a good goal at Villa yesterday. Lots of energy, both of them, they'll shoot when they get the chance, get in good positions, so absolutely brilliant to see mm-hmm. that. We were questioned throughout last season whether that would happen, and um, fair play to both of them um, if they can stay injury free and get everyone in the teams I think they'll do both do pretty well and Pukki got a penalty as well for Norwich not, he's not quite as prolific as Tony and Armstrong last season was he? No he's had a chance in the Premier League before of course these mm-hmm. uh, these two are fresh to it Harvey Elliott's another one of course young lad 18 years old who had a season with Blackburn did brilliant uh, and he's straight and he, fair play to Klopp he's got him in the Liverpool team giving him lots of match time yeah, it was always on the ball in the match against Chelsea. Seemed to be permanently uh, yeah. at his feet, so it wasn't that clinical. But I think uh, again, he's a very good player with great vision. So Harvey Elliott, another one who's transitioned well from uh, Championship to. Uh, to the Premier League. Same as Bamford, if you look at him last season, I think a lot of Leeds fans maybe thought, oh, we need to sign a striker coming into the Premier League. And he again has done really well going from the Championship to the Premier League. Yeah, another one. Very good. Well, you mentioned Sutton United earlier and they're going to be my little second half chat. You know, League Two team finally replaced the artificial surface at the National League Champions Gander Green Lane. And it certainly is a green lane because they've now got a grass pitch. And unfortunately, like you said, they couldn't actually seal off the the first match on the grass pitch with a win. There was a crowd of 3,262, obviously cheering on the lovely fresh pitch that was there. But like I said, a sadly 96th minute winner that meant that Oldham actually won it. And they, they are yet to win, like I said, in League Two. But they have become the second club now in two years forced to change the pitch following Harrogate Town last summer, obviously because of the rules. 
I think it cost them like £500,000, which for a team like Sutton United, that is a lot of money to have to pay, obviously, to get their pitch looked at. And it was going to be a bit of a rave talking about this, but I've also seen that there's quite a lot of clubs and they it's a community ground, so they use quite a lot on the artificial pitch. And now the grass pitch does limit, I think, the amount of activities that they can put on the pitch itself. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, if they manage to stay up in League Two, which would be really, really hard for them. But if they are able to do it, then it'll be money well spent. But um, it's a lot of money, isn't it? Should the money that they get from winning the National League, would that even go towards be able to £500,000? I, I don't think that's much at all. I think, I, mean, I guess it's the... Uh, but it's right that they all have to have a grass pitch, you oh think? Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, I remember Preston had one years ago. I mean, it, it used to be, uh, it became popular-ish um, but I think I guess if you're in the National League and you know you've got the chance to get promoted you just got to get it sorted maybe uh, you know you wouldn't want to have one in the National League in case you get the chance to go really Right chant I've gone big for this chant it's a bit of a long one okay I've gone for a player that has returned back to the Premier League and I'm sure there's going to be loads of charts for him. But is there any going to be as good as this one? I don't know. So the song, iconic Swedish group. Don't think I need to say anymore. Nine number one singles in the UK. Uh, this song was actually their third number one in 1976. So dad, I presume you're going to know the band. Abba. Of course, Abba. And I'm going to be changing the lyrics of Fernando to Ronaldo. Has it got a good ring to it? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Okay, so imagine he's back at Old Trafford, all the United fans are chuffed to see him in and they've suddenly listened to the podcast and then now they're going to be singing this. There was something in the air that night, the stars were bright, Ronaldo, he'll score a goal against Man City and Chelsea, Ronaldo, defenders just have to stop and stare, he's everywhere. If he had to do the same again, he'd score our friend Ronaldo. <laughs> um, I think Abba's version was probably do you uh, reckon? a bit better. But I was quite clever. I mean, obviously, you haven't had, 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 had long to think about no, that. No, so. exactly. It just came to me in epiphany. I assumed you would be. Uh, <laughs> I assumed you would be doing something. Not ashamed. I assumed you Thank would be you. doing something about Ronaldo. So. I'm not sure it'll be we'll adopted, see. but it's a good. Uh, it's a good. Good one, actually. Thank yeah, you very much. Well, Marks out of ten. I think it's another seven, actually. Oh, you're being very line consistent line, with your sevens. another seven, yeah. Final whistle. This is where we round up the top five leagues across the English football from the weekend. And to round up the Premier League, well, Tottenham have taken the top spot and are now the only team to have won all three of their matches. All matches, actually, interestingly, they've won 1-0 and they've yet to concede. So scored three and concede none. Uh, several teams still without a win, making the bottom three currently Newcastle. Obviously, they drew 2-2 versus Southampton. Norwich having lost 2-1 versus Leicester. And Arsenal, of course, rock bottom after getting absolutely thumped 5-0 at the Etihad. Uh, Arteta, obviously, a lot of just people just thinking whether he's going to stay. Just quickly, Dad, looking at the bookies' favourites, you've got to say yes or no if you think they might even move there, if you think it would work. Brendan Rodgers. Uh, ooh, I think that would work. Um, well, that's not a bad shout, yeah. Antonio Conte? Not uh, sure where he is at I'm the not moment. sure where he is, but I think, yes, he'd definitely be a good one. Eddie Howe? No. Sam Allardyce? Oh, goodness me. <laughs> and uh, this was the real outsider, Arsene Wenger? 
Um, well, you might go in just really? to get them back on track for six months, maybe, or you might go in with somebody else. It'd be a bit awkward, but um, yeah, I think of those, Conte is probably the favourite. So it's a happy day for Spurs fans. They're the top of the table, and uh, currently Arsenal are right at the bottom of the table. And in the Championship, there were some good matches, actually, yesterday in the Championship. Bristol City, what they call the Seven Bridge Derby. Uh, 1-2-1 one at Cardiff, just over 20,000, 2,500 Bristol City fans. Uh, a double from Andreas Weyman, Weyman probably. Uh, he got a double, ending Cardiff's 11 games unbeaten run. A 30-year-old Austrian, uh, good player actually. He played for Villa, Watford, Derby, Wolves, so he's got some good pedigree. Uh, supporting a brilliant win for Bristol City at Cardiff. Huddersfield, bit of an up-and-down team, 4-0 at home to Reading. Sober Thomas, 22-year-old, man of the match, two, assisting, two assists and a goal. Uh, of course, this time last season, Reading were pace-setters, but they're struggling this season. Uh, and QPR, another one worth mentioning. Two goals in the second half to beat Coventry 2-0, so they're a, a team that are favoured uh, to go up by the looks of it this season. So the top three, all undefeated. Fulham, 13 points. West Brom, 13 points. And QPR, 11 points. Then in the bottom, you've got three teams without a win. Forest, Sheffield United and Blackpool Forest, one point from their draw with Derby, local Derby. Uh, and Sheffield United and Blackpool, two draws apiece, two points each. Disappointed for Sheffield United. Like I said, Reading are down the bottom. Swansea, slow start as well. They seem to be struggling under their new manager. Can't quite get to grips with his tactics. Uh, so, yeah, really interesting, actually. Great start to the championship. League One, Sunderland moved top with back-to-back wins after beating Wickham Wanderers 3-1, so knocking Wickham off the top spot. Ross Stewart scoring his fourth goal in five matches now for Sunderland, so he's very much on form. Sheffield Wednesday stays second despite losing 1-0 away at Morecambe. Charlton Athletic actually move out of the relegation places with their first win of the season, 2-0 versus Crew Alexandra. Shrewsbury also got their first win, 2-1 versus Gillingham, but that does still keep them in the bottom four places. So still three teams without a win. You've got Ipswich, Crew, Alexandra and Doncaster Rovers. And then League Two, uh, top of the league, Forest Green Rovers, although um, they got 12 from five, great start, but they did lose at home to Port Vale 2-0 yesterday. Port Vale had six uh, between six and 700 fans and a 2,500 crowd. Uh, Jamie Proctor to two goals in the first 10 minutes, actually. A poor day for Forest Green, but a good start being top of the table. Harrogate, Bradford and Swindon are all on uh, 10 points, although Bradford and Swindon have played one more. So Harrogate are the only team now in the league, actually, League 2, who are unbeaten. So good start for Harrogate, actually. Uh, bottom, the only team without a win, as we said before, Sutton, tough start, two points from four games. Oldham were rock bottom with no points, but that win at Sutton gets them on three points. And then you've got Bristol Rovers and Walsall, uh, on four points and Crawley on four points National League four teams have won both the matches there's a bit of a mixture of some teams who've played one some teams have played two so it's a bit of a bit of a mess but like last season actually in the, in the National League but Dagenham and Redbridge Chesterfield Maidenhead and Boreham Wood have all won both the first matches and three teams have lost both the first two matches Wealdstone, Weymouth and Aldershot Grimsby's first match back in the um, National League they won 1-0 at home to Weymouth 5,000 plus fans a match of the day, probably Dagenham and Redbridge, who were one of those top four teams. Full points, they won 4-2. And then Dover, well, Dover, I'm not sure what's going on with Dover. They're minus 12 points. Played the first match in front of crowds. In the first match for a long time, actually, they never played at all last season. Lost 2-0 at Maidenhead, another one of the teams who were top. Uh, but they're on minus 12, so uh, they're going to have to get a peddling if they want to stay in the National League. 
of the week. Well, my Barnet is going to a 21-year-old Chelsea Loney who had a great game getting two goals for his club versus West Ham. I'm going for Connor Gallagher. And he's got quite a tradition, as in like a very David Beckham-esque Barnet, I'd say. He's got the Alice band in, quite long hair, quite blonde highlights. Thankfully, he's not done the absolute bleach blonde look just yet. But I'm very enjoying the Alice band long Barnet. We've discussed the Alice band quite a lot. He suits it. And yeah, going back to David Beckham style, I reckon. Played very well as well. Played he very well. Scored two good goals. Another yeah. person who played very well at the weekend, helping Everton win 2-0 at Brighton, was Jordan Pickford, Ooh. who made a couple of really good saves. He seems to be, uh, he seems to have come to life a bit, and he's really getting very vocal with his team and mm-hmm. starting to become a proper uh, dominant keeper. So um, this his hair's getting floppier by he's the week. He's grown it so long, hasn't he? Yeah, so yeah, I think he's, uh, he's grown his hair, he's grown his confidence, mm-hmm. and uh, Rafa Benitez must be chuffed to have him in his nets, I think. Right, that's it for this week of Football Chants and Rants with the Plants. Don't forget, you can have your say on social media. You can listen back to all the episodes that we've released. Just search on Twitter at Plants, Chants and Rants. And also, we'll be back, like I said, with a full episode next week. Are you feeling energised for the barbecue? Uh, yes, definitely. We have some nice veggie burgers. Oh, lovely. We'll see you then. <laughs>